This is an excerpt from Different Ways, Revealing the Feminine by Seal, published 2020. Chapter 19, Landslide, Part 1. Back tea labs smell like shit, chemicals, alginate, and blood. This is why our lab area was stuck down in the basement of the building in the laboratory where I worked. No one wanted to smell the offal that we handled daily, trying to solve the mysteries of the malfunctioning human body. We played loud rock music as we worked. No one cared. We were noisy or stinky. We were happy rogues in our fecund basement world. I got to wear a trendy white lab coat. I thought it made me look smart, like a scientist, a woman of data and fact. One day, a specimen came in with the same last name as mine. I logged it in the book and stared hard at the name like one would do if one was lucid dreaming, as if one felt themselves suddenly inside a movie looking out and couldn't quite get the focus right to recognize the turn of perception. It was my dad's name. I had not seen my dad in 15 years. When I first met him, I was an emancipated teen. We met, our defenses rubbing against each other in an awkward dance of polite but unskilled communicators. We orbited each other briefly, and then rebounded, relieved to be done with each other and off to our respective orbits until this day, this day, when I wrote his name in the logbook. I held the sputum up and stared at it from the bottom of the specimen cup. I would test it. As the reality sank in, I found that I could hardly contain my excitement. My dad. He was so close, just an hour and a half north, according to his paperwork. He still lived in the town where I saw him last. I must go to him. And with that thought, that one right there, I must go to him. My horses were racing wild and free. There was no calling them back. One would think I would learn, but my heart thus engaged. I swooned at the prospect of finding him and adding him to my life. The illusion of love. I thought, as I was raised on making things up to suit my fancy, that Dad would be tickled to see his long-lost daughter on his stoop. It never occurred to me that I would be unwelcome. It never occurred to me that my presence would be awkward for him. That wasn't the story I wanted, and I saw nothing but what I wanted to. This is a personal character trait that dictated my young adult life like a maniacal tyrant. I tracked him down. I had a way of landing unceremoniously in the middle of people's lives, causing discomfort and discord. It is, after all, how I initially arrived in the world. And while I had the most innocent of intentions, I never sported the awareness or skills to be sensitive to others' surprise. Nor did I have sense enough to cover my own bleeding heart. Perhaps he noticed this, and that is why he tried to be so nice. Or it was guilt. I do not recall him ever asking me any questions about my life. Perhaps it was enough of a shock for him to see that I wanted his attentions, 
It must be something else again to be on the receiving end of this aspect of my personality. I found out that he had aspired to be an architect when he was young and that he had a severe falling out with his father as a young man. He labeled himself as a black sheep. He was a fisherman most of his life until he got arthritis in his back. He was sent to Portland, Oregon to be retrained as a result from being unable to fish due to his back injury in the late 1970s. I do not recall what he was trained to do there. He worked as a bartender for years in this small coastal town and lived in a trailer at a fish hatchery. I suspect he had a side gig of keeping an eye on things there. Our encounters mostly involved his grinning through a tense smile as I performed being good daughter for him. I didn't see it then, but I was something from the past come to haunt him, and I clearly pressed him beyond his comfort zone. That was all I ever did. All I felt was overwhelming feelings of love and relief to have found him. How could I have such overwhelming feelings for someone and they not have feelings for me? It was unthinkable. It was all about me and my experience. All of my attractions were. I was lucky to be in an intimate relationship with a woman at this time. We met in therapy and lived happily with the boys together for a time. We both practiced meditation and working on expanding our consciousness. There were family meetings, and I recall lots of stir-fries, brown rice, California rolls, and hummus. It was, at the time, a logical progression for someone who had experienced in deep interpersonal analysis and individuation to move on and into the world of the spiritual or higher consciousness. It was the early 80s, and I was in California after all. This was the healing elective. The West Coast alternative way was generally to stumble and fall and while down snort enormous quantities of mind-numbing chemicals up one's nose or drink oneself into a torpor. Then one spent years in recovery trying to stand up again in a new life. I chose the route of lofty, fumbling around, gullible, itchy-witchy spiritual healing method towards adjusting to a modern life in recovering from my dysfunctional childhood. Whatever choice our bodies would have their say, we would heal or die trying. She and I began going to a psychic 101 class where we were taught the fundamentals of running energy through our bodies, basic chakra maintenance, and the do's and don'ts of wielding your power in time and space. In the course of these enlightenment sessions, we would do exercises that were designed to ground us and track psychically where our energy goes, to visualize the long cords that connected people to ourselves and to others. I was always removing tentacles and retracting ones I shot out when I was younger. I had a busy aura. We were counseled to always be careful with our great and awesome powers and to regularly examine our motivations and intentions. I never doubted the importance of this, even in my most wicked moments. I had an absolute, unshakable doubt that there were some really bad tangles that one can get into with exchanging energy on that level. We were also taught the chakras 
and what they represented, and we learned to drop in and out of them at will, like lowering a slant six into a Chevy chassis from a hoist. I rather enjoyed those classes, but was no better a student in this than I was in academics. Weak attention span. I would frequently pop up out of my meditation to find my teacher with a concerned look on her face as she examined my aura. Was she laughing? I really wasn't much of a medium. In fact, my private joke was to refer to myself as a small medium at large. But it was no joke. This conflict I had between my soul and myself was very deep and anxiety-producing. While I yearned deeply to feel that connectedness once more in my life, I also vividly recalled the darkness that engulfed me afterwards. The trauma from that association made sure that I never cultivated any meditative practice, and I purposefully distanced myself from anything spiritual. I never did do adequate service to these skills, and for the most part, once I corralled my own energies, I just used them to track down my own business. I was unnerved by the surrender necessary to be assisted by the disembodied. I still had an overwhelming fear of having another spiritual emergence overtake me. My soul? Not good or safe company to my mind. I felt forced to live a duality in this way. That said, the skills I did learn have been very useful. I do inadvertently wander through the doors of perception from time to time, however, and slip through the veils when they are thin. So yeah, the universe and I have a bit of fun once in a while, more because I'm paying attention than any skills I possess. It is my experience that there is so much going on all the time, a person could melt down with the reality of it. This is what I know. Thank you for listening.